Pope St. John Paul II said that discovering Christ always again and always more fully is the most wonderful adventure of our life. Blazing the Trail is a weekly conversation where we talk about this adventure with courage and hope while sharing stories about what the Holy Spirit is doing in Western Oregon and beyond. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. I'm your host, Miriam Marston, and this is a place to hear stories of what God is doing through the good work of those men and women who have stepped forward in faith, hope, and love. One of the privileges that come with hosting the show is that I have the opportunity to speak with priests in our local church here in the Archdiocese of Portland. Uh, so hearing their stories of conversion and renewal, how the church became an integral part of their lives, but then also hearing how their priesthood and ministry reflects this call to mission, which is at the heart of Catholic identity. So my guest this week is one of those priests, Father Bill Holtzinger, who is the pastor of St. Anne Catholic Church in Grants Pass. Father Bill's story is a powerful example of how the transforming truth of the gospel really advances one heart, one step at a time. Uh, He saw the witness of his family members growing up, and that began to open up opportunities for him to encounter Christ. Um, As a young adult, he had conversations with a local priest who helped him discern God's will for his life. And then more recently, the spiritual lessons he learned from his mother shortly before she died has now had an impact on the entire Archdiocese of Portland, as you'll hear in the interview. So he talks about this domino effect of evangelization, which again occurs in this domain of heart speaking to heart. Uh, which means evangelization isn't really that complicated. I think it becomes complicated when our own agendas become that driving force. Um, And now we need creativity and ideas and boldness, that's for sure, or else nothing would ever get off the ground. But the key is to place all of that effort and initiative in service to God to make sure that we are aligned with His good plans. And this will be something that we'll revisit on the other side of the interview as well. Um, But throughout our conversation, my mind was turning to a passage from Romans chapter 12. uh, So I share it here. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than one ought to think, but to think soberly, each according to the measure of faith that God has apportioned. For as in one body we have many parts, and all the parts do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually parts of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us exercise them. If prophecy, in proportion to the faith. If ministry, in ministering. If one is a teacher, in teaching. If one exhorts, in exhortation. If one contributes, in generosity. If one is over others, with diligence. If one does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Let love be sincere. Hate what is evil. Hold on to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Anticipate one another in showing honor. Do not grow slack in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Endure in affliction. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the Holy Ones. Exercise hospitality. Hospitality. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So many of the themes that Father Bill and I discuss are right there in that passage. But that line especially of perseverance in prayer, gosh, that is just so key to the Christian life and to evangelization. And it's on that note that I'll let Father Bill take it from here. So please enjoy our conversation. And as always, stay tuned for a closing reflection after the interview. I am delighted to be joined today by Father Bill Holtzinger. Father Bill serves as the pastor of St. Anne Catholic Church in Grants Pass. Father Bill, welcome to Blazing the Trail. How are you today? Marianne, I'm doing very well, considering all the things that have been going on. Uh, I feel blessed to uh, be able to speak with you and also blessed in the things that God's been doing in my life, but also in our archdiocese. So, Father Bill, let's go ahead and dive right in. When did the person of Christ catch your attention? Do you recall how you yourself were evangelized growing up? What did that look like? Yeah, so so I'm the ninth of nine kids, and my family, we all went to church. And I can recall uh, Dad being followed in the Knights of Columbus, and Mom and various different things. I'd say Mom was, you know, they each, I should say, have their own unique um, influence on me, but mom was more the vocal one about expressing mm-hmm. the faith. And I found that that was uh, instrumental to me because then that helped me want to talk about it and we'd share. Mm-hmm. But I think as I grew, grew into my teen years, my older sisters went on retreats. And I think of uh, search retreats and they'd come back. Uh, I can remember the, the three that went individually each time. And I would, they'd come back and I'd say, now, who are you and what have you done with my sister? because they had changed and you know think about common sibling you know maybe not rivalries but arguments and things and they came back very different and whatever that was I yearned for that and finally eventually came my turn and I also had an experience a very profound experience of Christ dwelling in me as a close friend um, my savior uh, everything it was my all in fact From that moment as a young teenager, we're talking about 15 and 16, um, that's what I was all about. In fact, I tried out for the basketball team in high school, and Mm -hmm. I wasn't good enough, uh, but I still played basketball every day in my neighborhood. But I was very involved in uh, youth ministry. So sports Mm -hmm. was not in my way. Uh, Sometimes I had to work, but that was a struggle. But my Mm -hmm. real deep desire was my faith in Christ. And so I got involved at St. Anthony's and Tigard, but I was, and I was starting to think about, okay, God, what, this is awesome. Whatever you're doing, I have this joy um, that is all consuming. And uh, for me, one of the great comments that compliments I heard as a high schooler, uh, as I graduated from high school was, you know, Bill, you, you never give in to peer pressure. And it's not that I, didn't or that I don't, but let's just say Christ was my motivating factor for everything I did. And uh, I was a sinner, obviously we are all sinners, but for me, uh, that's what I wanted to do. And because that's where meaning was, that's where joy was. And yeah. um, so I also started thinking about priesthood at that time. Mm-hmm. So the Franciscans were there and I realized as I started talking to them, um, that's awesome, but I am not that brave. <laughs> <laughs> religious life. I'm like, well, that's great, but I don't think religious life is where I'm being called. But that was uh, part of my vocation story to talk with them and 
I just, it was just a wonderful experience uh, being uh, around those priests at St. Anthony and Thigard. And, and that launched me into college where I continued to, you know, try to live my faith. In fact, going to Oregon State University, go Beavers, uh, I wanted to continue with my faith. And so I joined a co-op called Varsity House. It's a Christian co-op. In fact, you had to write a testimony uh, to be even part of the co-op. It's kind of like a fraternity, but without, let's say, the hazing or whatever, uh, you know, drunken parties, all the negative stuff. I mean, there's a lot, I'm sure, wonderful things that go on in fraternities and sororities, but I, I was really focused. And so I got involved with this house, which was almost all evangelical Christians, evangelical mm-hmm. Protestant Christians, and me, the lone Catholic. It turns out there was another Catholic kid in there that I learned about, and uh, we stay in contact still to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a wonderful experience to meet my brothers in the, another tradition of faith that I had little experience with. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'd be challenged, you know, uh, you're Catholic. I, I thought you were Christian, you know, those kind of comments. Mm-hmm. And, and, or um, sometimes even worse, where they would, like we won a trophy for some intramural sports, and some guy kind of in his, well, snarky way said here take this trophy why don't you worship this like you worship mary oh gosh yeah yeah so those became moments for me to really dig now intellectually into the faith Mm -hmm. and be able to respond to them Mm -hmm. meanwhile um or i should say let me back up a little bit right as i launched out of high school there was a deacon his name was john kearns he was at our parish uh at saint or saint francis so my mom and dad were going to saint francis and sherwood i was at tigered uh, St. Anthony, and they were, in fact, this is a wonderful thing. My parents knew I was so active in my faith. They didn't want to pull me to their church that was close to our, our family or our house, but uh, something I was more involved in. I was in the choir at St. Anthony, et cetera. Mm. So that allowed me to flourish. But meanwhile, uh, St. Uh, Francis had this deacon named John Kearns, who eventually was ordained a priest. And uh, my dad approached him as he was going to be signed in Corvallis. And my dad said, hey, my son is going to Oregon State, uh, so please seek him out. And in fact, it was probably said differently than that. I'm being kind of formal about that. He actually told uh, Father Kearns, go get him. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah, so I obviously had support from my family. Um, And all the way through college, uh, Father Kearns and myself, we, you know, had lots of dialogue and, and discussions and, you know, went out to dinner on occasion, just, you know, uh, learning about what it was to, to be a, a, not a Franciscan priest, but a Dawson priest. Mm-hmm. So I really felt called to parish ministry. That was kind of the focal mm-hmm. uh, focus of the, the wear of the vocation. Uh, eventually I uh, graduated from Oregon state uh, dated for about two and a half years, was thinking about getting married and mm-hmm. uh, that did not pan out. God's call was to do something else. And I would say that was uh, first from my girlfriend at the time. She was, deeply involved in ministry, charismatic renewal. And she discerned I was not for her and I may have been reluctant, but uh, she was absolutely right. And uh, God bless her. And for me, then I moved uh, to Tigard because I was in Portland there at Central Catholic High School, teaching there math and computer science and, and religion, which was something new. I'd not been, well, you know, my studies were all self-study. I don't have a degree in anything in the faith. I was a math teacher. Huh. And a nerd. I'm proud of that. <laughs> so I, I moved to Tigard High School. Now, another interesting part of this story is when I was in college, I told one of my best friends, I said, wouldn't that be great if we were to um, finish college here 
get our degrees, and both be teaching at Tigard High School together in the math department. Well, guess who a year or so before that got his job there? He did. And then after I was at Central Catholic for two years, and I I felt really, you know, I needed to get a shift in, you could say, uh, space that became open and I got the job in Tiger High School. So a whole bunch of things started happening that mm-hmm. were just doors open one after the other. And I only, only then I realized I'd created a bucket list and I didn't even know it. And mm-hmm. I could now check mark all of the items off my bucket list of things I wanted from God. It's kind of like God said, you know, Bill, I'm going to give you all these things. And now what? Mm-hmm. And the now what was there's that one thing I didn't look into. And yeah. it would be about like the first part, it was fall of the, my one year that I was at Tigard High School that I told my friend, I said, you know what? I know I just got this job, but you know what? Um, and I think this is only going to be a year position anyway, yeah. but I'm going to make sure it's that way. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to apply for seminary. I'm going to mm-hmm. go see the vocation director. And by the way, guess who the vocation director turned out to be? Father John Kearns again. Nice. I guess who also got assigned to the parish where I was now attending at that time. Mm-hmm. Father John Kearns again. So, awesome. so I made an appointment with him and this is kind of funny. I made an appointment with him because he knew that I'd been dating and he was expecting me to say something like, Hey John, I'm going to get married. No, mm-hmm. I ended up going into his office and I kind of threw my arms up and said, okay, you got me. I give up. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and thus began the process. And it's just, you know, 21 years now as a priest mm-hmm. is a great joy. And I look at John as a, now, Father John is a friend, as a, a laborer, a co-laborer in the vineyard, and a model uh, yeah. for what a great priest can be. I mean, he's got amazing gifts. Um, I have my, I'm different. I have my own gifts, uh, but yeah. uh, we still stay in connection. And whenever uh, you know, I need some guidance, I've called him mm-hmm. uh, because he's got a real balanced sense of uh, priesthood, and he really lives it. For those just tuning in, I'm speaking with uh, Father Bill Holtzinger, who's the pastor at St. Anne Catholic Church in Grants Pass. Um, how have you kind of continued in that spirit of you experience this evangelization? How is then that kind of shining forth and translating into your own ministry? Well, I think the continued prayer, mm-hmm. uh, making sure I'm close to Jesus. If you have a friend, uh, you're not going to be a very good friend if you're not talking to each other. Yeah. And of course, my prayer life has gone in and out like everybody else. There's times when it's powerful and other times it's dry and other times I'm, I'm the slacker. Uh, but that is it. I'd say that. And then, of course, uh, after prayer comes just the parishioners themselves. This mm-hmm. is they want to support their priests. Yeah. And I've realized that instead of being, you know, a know-it-all and having to do everything perfect, that really I need to also be humble before them. And ask them in to help me. Yeah. You know, that's come um, back to, with the recent things that have happened, the coronavirus and kind of the re-evangelization of our archdiocese, starting with the priests. Uh, that's been very potent for me. Uh, yeah. And I have a personal story involved in that, too. Uh, my mother passed away uh, one year ago yesterday, which would have been that'd be September 24th. And she'd been praying this surrender novena, which I'd never heard of, but she'd been praying it for over a year. And she'd little, make little tick marks on each day. She would do it. After she finished the nine days, she'd just start over. And she would say to me, this is, a, this is evangelization, right? My mom evangelizing me. You know, son, you know, Bill, um, every time I do this novena, you got to see this. I just feel like Jesus is talking directly to me. Mm. I'm like, hmm. 
And she would say this often. And the, the day before she passed, my sisters were helping her to do it. Mm-hmm. And so when we finally had the funeral, uh, both Archbishop Lasney and Archbishop Sample were there. I mean, I'm nervous now. I'm like, oh, I got my bosses here. And I know they care and they're not there for that. But, you know, at the same time, it's a little different to have the guy with the pointy hat hang around. <laughs> Yeah, And I, I kid Archbishop Sample about that. So I'm not saying anything that I would say in front of him, <laughs> the guy with the pointing hat. Uh, but I realized I need to give the homily. And I was kind of cautious about that. Could I do it? But I realized, well, the surrender novena has been mom's focus in her faith yeah. in the last year plus. And it's changed her heart and it's starting to change my family's heart. Yeah, And so I preached about it. Mm-hmm. That then I, at the end of the funeral, my family gave out the Serena Novena to various individuals there, including Archbishop Sample. And he took that, and you've probably heard from his chapel chats. He kind of put it away, and then he had two other people approach him saying, hey, you know, you should, have you heard of this, the Serena Novena? Finally, after three introductions to it, and it started with that funeral, uh, you know, he finally picked it up and started praying it, and it's changed him. Wow. And it's changed me, and it's changed uh, his plans. Uh, I think about uh, him and I share something in the sense that as pastors and him as a bishop, especially we're administrators. And before we start a project, I'd like to know what it looks like before it ends. I want to know mm-hmm. what that's going to be like in the lived reality, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And what I realize, I need to let that go. I need to surrender to Jesus and let the spirit do what the spirit's going to do. And that's what we hear from like John, Father John Ricardo in Acts 29. Yeah. Archbishop Sample said this many times over. Uh, and I need to let go of having an agenda of how it's going to look. Yeah. So instead of praying for um, this project to end like this or like that, whatever that might be, uh, I think true evangelization is letting go of whatever the end product is. Just what is going on now? What do I need to do here now? And that's what Archbishop Sample has been doing. Uh, this is not like him. He's changed quite a bit. And this has caused uh, me to change. Like yesterday, I, I should have been mourning and I was a little sad. But I have to say, um, my mom's death has created a domino effect. It's affected an archbishop. And that archbishop has affected his decisions whether to go forward with Acts 29 and Amazing Parish, which are two groups that are working with us in the archdiocese, mm-hmm. which then dominoed into a whole well, a whole conference of all the priests uh, yeah. earlier in the year, uh, Our Lady Loving, mm-hmm. which then dominoed into going to Kansas City for a training for myself yeah. and a whole bunch of other priests. Uh, so it, um, I, I don't know what to say. It's, I'm yeah. full of joy at the miracles that the Holy Spirit is doing. Because I even was cautious about giving out the surrender to being. I had right. copies of my own uh, that I gave out. They're a little spendy, the ones I had. Uh, but I, I bought them and gave them to parishioners who I knew could do this or would want to do this. And then one day, I'd say it'd be about a month after this, I get this Manila envelope with a letter from the Archbishop that was sent to all the priests with a new copy that the Archdiocese has commissioned with a surrender to be I'm like, oh my goodness. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to let go of my timidity, my timidity, if that's the word, I might be mm-hmm. timid. Yeah. And so I, I ordered a thousand of them and just started giving them away. Love it. We've reordered now three times. Wow. We just give them away and they're, yeah, thousands have been given away out of our parish. 
Many people are doing it all over the United States. I I can vouch for it. I've done it a a few times myself. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, I would say, um, I guess that's a long answer to your, your question. The Holy Spirit is evangelizing me and letting, telling me that I need to let go of the need to have a control about how things need to go. Yeah. But then find the joy, even amidst these difficulties. And in fact, through the difficulties, remember the Paschal mystery, suffering, death, and resurrection. It is through walking straight through and to our crosses, picking them up, that I needed to die to myself in my case and let God do what God needs to do. And the consequence is there's more joy in my life. That's awesome. Oh, that's powerful. Father Bill, thank you. And you're, gosh, there's, there's so much there. And something that keeps coming to mind as you're talking about your story and what's happened, especially in the last year or so, is that evangelization really, it occurs in this realm of person-to-person interaction and encounter. And that's exactly the, the, what we want to highlight here, that, that God works so concretely in people's lives and really unexpectedly too. But what that domino effect is, that's exactly what we're going for. Um, but that can only happen by kind of stepping out a little bit in faith, person to person. And just um, that's that's the domain of evangelization. So you've given us some just wonderful examples from your home, from the domestic church, all the way to to what we're living right now. And I, that's wonderful. Um, Father Bill, we've got a few minutes left. And I love to ask um, my guests where else you've seen signs of hope, either in the local church or beyond. Uh, where are you seeing uh, the Holy Spirit just really active um, at work? What what just makes you smile when you're hearing about these initiatives, efforts? Um, what comes to mind? Well, you know, of course, the evangelization of the archdiocese mm-hmm. and the priests, but also because of what's been going on, people have been inspired to get involved in what was the food box program we had for yeah. about a year mm-hmm. Yeah, here at St. Anne. Uh, we had a lot of people that want to be involved in that we had to kind of trim it down to, to make it be efficient, but wow. uh, we gave out 37,000 boxes of food oh my goodness. <laughs> in that time. And wow. what happens and then that, you know, giving away the food is one thing, but what it did to us as the members that were doing that, uh, there was no time to be complaining. Yeah. You know, there was no, in fact, we really cautioned ourselves about that. Sometimes people would come up and on occasion there would be someone that's complaining, but we were there to minister to them or pray with them. But by and large, people were so grateful. So we hear a lot of division. We hear a lot of complaining out in the world and and fear. And then these moments happen where people line up for blocks and they would come up and we'd hand them a box and they were just more than grateful. How can we not have our hearts change i believe the holy spirit works through that and those are yeah. that's true people who are believers not believers mm-hmm. people who needed them some that did not need them it didn't matter in fact it was you know we're not discriminating who yeah. gets one if they want one they can have one yeah uh, but the holy spirit inspired joy in those folks and then also that we you know that came that needed the help but also in our own parish that was for me, a light during some dark periods during the pandemic that every Wednesday I would spend and other parts of our, you know, staff and our parishioners would uh, spend helping people. And it comes from their deep desire to uh, serve the Lord and serve the, yeah. his people. Yeah. One other thing I'd like to end with, the, uh, yeah. or we're running out of time, would it be through this stuff with Acts 29 and, and amazing parishes, 
this idea of creating a culture of prayer yeah. and discipleship uh, has been also ongoing here at St. Anne and in my life as well. So instead of saying, hey, Miriam, so you got these needs, I'll pray for you. And then leaving. Uh, no, not anymore. It's more of a, hey, Miriam, do you have anything we, I can pray for for you? And you might say, yes. Great. What is that? And maybe there's something and maybe there isn't. And then instead of walking away, pray right there. Love it. And uh, on occasions, uh, we've been uh, rejected. On occasions, people have said, no, I'm fine. I'm doing good, but I'm open. And other times, people really have some serious needs. Wow. So um, we formed a parish leadership team at our church through you know the guidance of Mason Parish. And uh, that's what we're doing with each other. That's what we're trying to do within our church. Um, and I'd encourage everybody who may be listening to maybe change that behavior. Because if we start praying with people right then and there, well, it's scary. Uh, but now God can work in immediate ways. That's a great note to end on, Father Bill. Thank you. Um, I'm grateful for your time today. I just ask that God continue to bless you, your ministry, and the good people of Grants Pass. Uh, Take care. God bless you, Father. Thank you, Miriam, and bless your ministry as well. In our interview, you heard Father Bill describe how he saw these prayers of the Surrender Novena really impact his mother's life. So when the time for her funeral came, how could he not preach about it? But I appreciated how he shared that he was a bit nervous about preaching on this topic and handing out the prayers of the funeral, but he didn't know that God had something much greater in mind, which went beyond that one day, uh, which would help set in motion something that would be for the good of so many more people. Thousands of these novenas have been shared and prayed throughout Western Oregon, across the country too. And a big part of that began with a mother simply sharing a prayer with her son, Um, Like I said in the introduction, that is where evangelization happens, heart to heart. And as Father Bill said, true evangelization um, really is letting go, whatever the end product is. And that's right in line with the refrain of the Surrender Novena, which is, Oh Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. And on the tough days, it can be hard to hand everything over to Jesus. We want to try to find a detour, a way around the difficulties in our life. Um, You know, there's a children's book I've read to my nieces and nephews many times. It's called, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. And every few pages, the family encounters an obstacle in their journey. Um, It might be a muddy field or a deep river or a snowstorm, etc. And each time they say, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. We've got to go through it. And that came to mind as Father Bill mentioned the Paschal mystery, uh, that is the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as Father said that as Christians, we have to walk straight through the, the suffering and the difficulty. But honestly, that would be impossible to do without surrender. Because there's something in us that will want to fight, to resist, to, to push back against what God has planned, even in those difficult moments. And in large part, it's because we can't see what God has in mind. At least with our plans, we can envision uh, even vaguely what that finish line or end product looks like. But do we trust that God has something much better in mind? And that means entrusting everything to Him. Our good days, our bad days, the peaks, the valleys, even the plateaus when it feels like nothing at all is happening. 
So my prayer for you all this week is that you find a way to incorporate this spirit of surrender into your own prayer, into your work, your home, whatever you might be involved with this week. And the coming days might bring you up against some walls or opposition or struggles. And surrender doesn't mean that all of that disappears or that we just walk away in a spirit of resignation. It just means you're not facing it all alone. Christ is at your side. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please join me next week as we continue to blaze a trail of hope here in Western Oregon. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, produced through the studios of the Archdiocese of Portland. Join us in our mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ across Western Oregon by visiting archdpdx.org.